Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January the 6th. We are reading from the big book, and we are at page 80, the fourth paragraph, after consulting with his wife. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, uh, Barbara E., the 12 Traditions, Russ M., and readers of the text, Jen A. and Lisa B. The reference numbers for Sunday, January the 5th, special edition, is 13925. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Barbara E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made us the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass.
Thank you, Barbara E. And Russ M. will read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. 12 Traditions of Readers Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name or to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may, be, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Russ. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 80, the fourth paragraph, after consulting with his wife, and we're reading that one paragraph only. Jen A., would you please get us started? Thanks, Lynn. Good morning. After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator, guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended a church for the first time in many years. And after the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval. And today he is one of the most trusted citizens in his town. 
this all happened years ago. So good morning, my name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Littleton, Colorado. Um, I actually have firsthand experience um, with this paragraph. Um, so honor God that he picked me to speak this morning. So I hope what I share um, can help somebody. Um, you know, standing guilty before my creator, shame-filled, um, knowing that I've done the wrong thing. Um, we say in our house, the angry fish swimming in your stomach, right? You can't get anything to settle down because you know something's not right. Um, uh, ruinous slander, the words that he uses um, in the big book. You know, I I was <laughs> ruinous slander. I, I'm guilty of that you know, destructive and disastrous false charges um, against another human being, damaging someone and smearing their name and reputation and causing harm, that was me, um, you know, before, before this radical change and before God came into my life in this miraculous way as a result of these 12 steps. Um, you know, I um, had, had accused someone wrongly. Um, I had filed a police report that was incorrect and um, I had to actually, um, I had to actually go to not only um, my accountability partner at the time, um, who had walked me through this time in my life, and let her know because I needed someone to take me, um, you know, to the to the police department um, that I had done it. And um, you know, I'll never forget um, how I felt leading up to that point, knowing I had harmed that person, that they were they went to jail. The person that I filed the police, police report went to jail, and um, then me standing in that jail and receiving what uh, was really due and getting handcuffed and being put in those bright orange clothing and having my name photographed across my chest, holding that board. Um, you know, I, I can never fully uh, right the wrongs that I did to that human being, but I believe in God's eyes I did what was right, just like Bill did what he thought was right here. Um, standing up in front of that congregation. I stood up in front of a judge and I told the whole truth with a capital T. Um, and, and today, I don't stand in shame. I know that I did the right thing and that I cleared myself. Um, you know, and I could look at that person if they walked down the street today. Um, so I, I, I definitely know that I'm standing in the sunlight of the spirit. And the best thing is, is that I love the line where it says he had to place the outcome in God's hands. I know that when I replace the outcome in God's hands, things will happen. Why? Because on 100, that promise tells me, right? I look back and I realize that the things which came to me, which I put myself in God's hands, were much better than anything that I could have ever planned. What am I doing today? I'm following the dictates of a higher power, and I'm presently living in a new and wonderful world, no matter what the present circumstances is, you know. And, and I, won't, I, I, won't, I won't try and stand tall on things that are wrong. I crumble to my knees today because, you know, my creator loves me, and he knows, clean it, clean it out, get it right, get right with others. So I hope that's of help to someone today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. The line is now open for sharing on what we read first. Sorry, what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last two days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Uh, Sally A. Shlomi Tana B. 
Joe M. Okay, so far I have Sally A, Shlomi Hana B, and Joe M. Is there anyone else who'd like to share? Beth W. Okay, sorry, Beth W. Thank you. Okay, Sally, how about we start off with you? Sally A, please. Hi, good morning. Sally A from New Jersey. Thank you, moderator. Thank you, Jen, for your share. It did help. Um, it made me think of a lot of things in my inventory when I went through the steps a few times and thinking of, you know, the harms that I caused others and, you know, continue to cause others. Um, you know, I'm still human. I still falter and I still try to hide. And, um, I mean, I can hide things from you. I can hide things from even myself, but I can't hide things from my creator. And I like how you said, Jen, about the butterfly or fish in my stomach. That's something I live with a lot and or have lived with a lot. And, you know, that stuff made me eat more. You know, I realize it now that I was so uncomfortable. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a beautiful spirit underneath these fle- this flesh of fat and pain of the food addiction. There is the, the self inside of me that wants to emerge out, that is a good person, that is an honest person, that lives in the spirit of, of God and, and wants to do the right thing for the right reason. But, you know, again, you know, I fall into being a human and I make mistakes and I mess up and I, I try to hide things. And I do know that even if, you know, someone like my employer or somebody does not know what I've been doing, um, God knows what I've been doing. And I know that. And I feel that. And it is an uncomfortable feeling that used to cause me to eat. So I'm so grateful for the steps because it's teaching me not to do those things a day at a time and to do the opposite and do what my higher power thinks or would think is the right thing to do. Um, And that's helped tremendously, not just uh, with my addiction, but just with my spirit, you know, with my sense of self and my esteem has gotten better because I could now, you know, walk in that sunlight a little bit better and know that I'm not um, a falter, you know, like a bad person or, you know, that I'm hiding a lot of things because I know that my higher power is out there and sees and knows everything and knows my intentions, but still wants me to do the right thing. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally A. And Shlomi Hana B, it's your turn, followed by Joe M. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everybody, for being on the line. I'm so grateful for this meeting. I'm Shlomi Hana B. And um, what came to mind is I always know deep, deep, deep down, even if I don't want to admit it, what's right. I always know if I'm doing the right thing or if I'm doing the wrong thing. And I believe that that was a gauge that was put there by my higher power to give me that intuition of being able to really, really know if I'm doing the right thing. And, um, you know, just the idea that really the outcome is in God's hands. Um, 
before I made my amends years ago, um, I was always carrying a sense of shame just in the pit of my stomach when I would think about certain actions and certain people. And um, even if it wasn't something that I thought about every day, it was always there. It was always there, and it was always causing me to feel less than I should feel. And it was always, I guess I would say it was always a block between my inner self, um, the other person, and certainly, certainly from God. And, you know, I've learned that in the amends process, and honestly in any process in life, if I can just really, really let go and just do my part and then trust God with the outcome, it always, always turns out better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, things just happen that are miraculous. And that was certainly true of um, my amends process in not with everyone, but, um, you know, but with, with significant ones. And um, there was one amend that I made. I did something as a teenager that um, I was always ashamed of. And when I called, um, it was at my friend's bat mitzvah party. When I called my friend, she just laughed. <laughs> and she was like, oh, we love you so much, and my parents love you. And I'd really offended her parents. And when I called her mother, her mother didn't even remember. She didn't even know what I was talking about. And I was actually shocked because I thought it was a pretty big deal. Um, and it turned out that we had a really wonderful conversation. And that was better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, God gave me grace of erasing, literally erasing the memory from this woman's mind so that I didn't have to feel any more shame. And you know what? Time, please. Okay. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Shlomi Hanabi. Joe M., it's your turn, followed by Beth W. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. Jen, I did uh, enjoy your share, and thank you. It has affected me. By way of accountability, this is day six for me. I just started, and I could not be more grateful for the calls I listened to the speaker yesterday, and it's, it's profoundly infecti- affecting me. Um, I was thinking on the reading today that, and to my higher power, um, there is a scripture that talks about our body being a temple, and I have desecrated my temple for decades, and I'm ready to make a change, and um I went through a very difficult divorce a couple years ago, and looking back, um, I realized that my eating habits may have contributed to said divorce, and it was quite a revelation to me. And so this is, this OA and um, this process is going to help me make amends with my ex-wife and my six beautiful children. You know, as I inventory in step four upcoming, I'm looking forward to being as honest with myself as possible and really digging deep for things that 
I can amend. And uh, right now, five of my six children aren't speaking to me. And my conscience tells me that uh, intentionally I didn't do anything to hurt them. There certainly wasn't any addiction, abuse, or adultery involved in the divorce. It was more of my ex-wife, you know, just not being happy. And I, I own that. And it's interesting to think that uh, an, an eating disorder might have contributed because I've been an ecclesiastical leader. I strive to keep the covenants, the commandments, the tenets of my faith. And yet uh, something as devastating as a divorce occurred. And so I'm owning it. I'm looking internally for the answers. And I'm just so grateful for the inspiration that led me to reach out to a sponsor in OA that I've known for quite a while. She responded so kindly and so openly and is now going to help me and guide me. Um, And so I just, with that, will leave it. I want to thank all of you for your shares and for the structure because this is helping me greatly. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Joe M. And Beth W., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you for calling on me. This is Beth W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from North Dakota. And, um, you know, I don't have um, an amend that was, um, that required a public statement. Um, But I do know that I have to stand before my creator um, in all that I do and say, and, you know, I struggle with this you know, every time, every day that I live. I, the, the thing I struggle with is leaving the outcome in God's hands. But I know that that is the only way I can live um, in each, each part of my, my day. You know, back in step three, I, I uh, turned my will and my life over to the care of God. And, and that means that, that God is my manager God is the the director of my of my my life, my actions, my behavior, and um, and what what comes from that um, is is that I I don't get to uh, plan the outcome. I do what I'm called to do each day, and uh, it says back on page 62, we we have to quit playing God. It didn't work. Um, from here on out in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He's the principal. We are his agents. And it goes on to say uh, he provides what we need if we keep close to them and we become less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. And, uh, you know, uh, we begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. And I think that was the hardest part for me was to lose that fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. But that is what this man did. Um, he saw he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon just start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. And that's what I have to do today too. You know, uh, I have to place my whole life in God's hands or all will be lost anyhow and, it, and I'll be right back in the food and uh, it doesn't matter. Then, then it doesn't matter what I have or what I do or, you know, what kind of house I live in or what job I, I work. Um, or who my friends are, or whether my family's talking to me or not talking to me, um, I'll just be isolated, laying on my laundry room floor again, uh, sobbing. And I don't, I don't want to go back to that place. Um, 
so I, I do what God calls me to do today, and, and I, I plan for an abstinent day, and I ask God to, for the courage and strength to do that, and, uh, and the outcome is in God's hands. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Beth W. I'd just like to remind everybody that we are on page 80 of the big book, the fourth paragraph, after consulting with his wife. And the line is now open if you'd like to share. And I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to please take this opportunity. Who would like to share? Craig F. Roz G. Matt F. Crystal P. Okay, I heard Craig F, Roz G, Matt F, and Crystal P. And somebody is unmuted in the background and moving a lot of stuff around. So if you could please check your phone. Anyone else like to share? Okay, Craig F. Oh, Lisa B. Great, I got you there. Thank you. Okay, Craig F., could you start us off, please? Followed by Roz G. Good morning. This is Craig. Did you call me? Yeah, I did. Somebody's unmuted, and they're shuffling a lot of papers. So if you could that, that was that was me. Phone. I was trying to get my well, dog to treat so they'd be quiet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, we read this story here uh, about this guy, and <clears throat> this is a large and, and dramatic amends that he had to make, you know, a public amends. He'd ruined somebody. Um Big deal, you know, and and he did it, and and that's a big deal. He he humbled himself to do that, you know. What I think about when I read that sometimes is that it can be just as difficult to make the small amends. My um, magnificent magnifying mind can, as, as the as the guy in the uh, acceptance chapter talks about. I can not only magnify things as bigger than they are, I can magnify things as smaller than they are, you know. So uh, when I take an amends, when I took that is maybe not that dramatic, my my mind wants to take and say, well, it's it's not that big a deal. It's not that important. It's, uh, you know, uh, it's okay. it'll be okay. You know, they know I'm sorry or, you know, whatever, whatever rationalization is necessary to let myself off the hook. But the fact is that, you know, in order for me to not uh, eat again, in order for me to maintain this relationship with my higher power, I have to be thorough about things big and small. And, and I, you know, I, I have to strive for that, that, um, attitude of humility that says I'm no big deal you know that that whether these things I did are a big deal or not they're a deal you know uh, I, I don't care if it was um, uh, you know some small uh, 
inadvertent act of vandalism that I just never told anybody about, you know, uh, or it could be anything. I, I need to make go and make amends for it and uh, not get wrapped up. You know, I, I can just see somebody, I can see myself uh, reading this early on thinking, well, none of my stuff was that big an issue. You know, well, okay. So but how big of it doesn't matter how big of an issue it was. It was an issue. And and it and it stands between me and a clear mind. It stands between me and an open heart and it stands between me and my creator. And and if it stands between me and my creator, you know, lack of power, that's my dilemma. And and where do I get that power? To, to not eat compulsively from my higher power, and I and I need a clear path. I need I need that power to flow freely, and not be warped through the lens of guilt, and and the lens of ego. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Roz G. It's your turn, followed by Matt F. Please go ahead, Roz. Good morning, everybody. My name is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And uh, just reading this, I had this little mantra that I used to say in the past, take the action, leave the result up to God. Take the action, leave the result up to God. And my experience with that is is different in uh different amends that I have to make or different ways that I need to be honest. And I find that when I share something very deep in a 12-step meeting, that people identify with it. And I get calls from people who I would have, you know, never known or never thought I would have anything in common with when I admit things that are hard to admit. And the other night I was in church and I have a small group that I belong to and it was time for prayer requests and I I asked for a, a request and I also had said that due to this prayer, I, I asked for prayer because I didn't retaliate at a work situation. A work situation happened to me last, well, before we went on our winter break, where my desk was removed from my my work area to be placed in another area. And I would have, I was, I felt angry about that and I felt resentful and I wanted to retaliate. But the big book tells me we don't retaliate. And so I didn't. And I had told this group of people, I have had an anger issue in my past. And they I know they know it because I showed it. You know, I, I, I get resentful really quickly and I get uh, insulted. If somebody says something to me that, you know, needs to be said or if it's a corrective issue or if I was slack in my work, which I have been and I've discovered that through my step process, that I need to step it up. Um, it's embarrassing because I want to think that I'm the greatest and the best at all times. And I get, I get really insulted quickly and I want to say something back, you know, or like it's because of you that I did this, you know, 
And it's not. It's because I was slack or I needed to do something, you know, to improve my my performance. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the work. And anger would ensue. But, you know, I've been practicing. I've been changing. I've been having a psychic change and practicing and uh, act, doing the things differently. Time, and please. So I, thank you. I just want to say that I admitted that. And people were also able to open up and say, you know what, I've had that issue too. So leaving the results to God is a, is a real cool thing to do because you never know how it's going to turn out. Always for the best. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Roz G. Matt F., it's your turn, followed by Crystal P. Please go ahead, Matt. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, this is Matt F., living in Chicago, but from Philadelphia. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to say, and I still don't. Um, I have a call coming up this Thursday morning with a former manager who I ceaselessly maligned uh, at, at the last job that I held. And my recognition of my part in that uh, thanks to the gift of having really sort of accidentally stumbled into OA. Back in February of last year, um, led, led to some really big changes in my life, uh, including moving to Chicago um, and choosing not to get a new job and choosing to, to be self-employed because I realized that I don't want to get another job until I can be the kind of employee and colleague and direct report that I love to have on my teams. And I can't be that person yet. And I don't know what I'm going to say to him yet when I speak to him. He doesn't know that it's an amends. And it it may not be a straight-up formal amends because I'm not sure that, that he will be comfortable with that. But I will do my part of the amends in the conversation and I share that this morning feeling like it's not super profound because we never know what will strike someone. And there's more than 400 people on this call this morning. And I was moved to tears by, uh, by someone else's tale this morning of, um, of something that, that happened at a, at a child's birthday party unexpectedly. And we just never know what which of the arrows we release are going to strike someone else right in their heart and so that's why i decided to share i am so grateful for having found this program because of what it has taught me about myself and my place in this world and in this universe and what it continues to teach me every day to be in service of my higher power and my fellow human beings and I have not done a good job of that in my life and I am very sad about that but I am relieved by the knowledge that what matters is what happens next and uh, I am so grateful for this program and for everyone on this line for doing the service of listening and sharing um, 
and I would and I hope that we all continue releasing the arrows without knowing where they're going to strike because every arrow lands somewhere and we never know which arrow will be really important I in someone's think. life. And with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt S. Crystal P, it's your turn, followed by Lisa B. Please go ahead, Crystal. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P from Toronto. Um, I think what really struck me when I read when I read this paragraph is just the amount of fear he must have had. Or like if I was in his position, I, I feel like I would be trembling as I sat in that in that, you know, pew and I knew I was gonna get up in a few minutes and and say to all these people, you know, the thing that I had done that I now can see how horrible it was, um, having no idea how they're going to react. And what stands out to me is that um, is just how full of fear I am. I'm, um, you know, like a, a globule of fear. It, there's not even a specific thing I'm afraid of. It's like a hum that fills my entire life. And something that really um, sort of perpetuates this fear or builds it up even more is that in my mind, I, I will build all these scenarios of how things could go and how they will go. And, and I'm so sure every single time that the way I've built it up in my mind is exactly how it's going to turn out. And one of the things I've come to learn in program is that that very rarely happens. Whatever happens in real life, reality is never as horrible as what I've got happening in my head. Whatever I've imagined in my head is always 10 times more awful, more harsh, Nobody has any compassion in this world in my head. Um, nobody else is a human being who makes mistakes, you know. Nobody else recognizes courage or or just the intent to do the right thing. And so I build up a scenario that's just that's just the worst case every single time. And what I've found is that, that that is how the world plays out when I live on my own. That's how my life plays out when I live on my own. But the moment I add God into the mix, it's like anything's possible. Things that I, like I was so sure were going to go a certain way, go a completely different way. I know at, um, at work once, um, my, my direct manager asked me to lie on a form. She wanted me to sign off on something, and she was doing it for me. It was to help me get a particular perk. But I knew that now I'm living in this program, I cannot, that is the dubious luxury of normal men. I cannot live um, with a lie. And so I had to go up to her and say, you know, thank you so much for, for trying to do something nice for me, but this is not something I'm comfortable to do. And I was shaking. I was completely shaking just on the, the thought of having that kind of confrontation. And I just knew, you know, she was going to look at me like I was some kind of self-righteous person. And now suddenly I've changed my tune and I don't want to do these things. And she's going to gossip about me with all my other colleagues. And no one was going to want to talk to me. Um, but I had to put all that aside and take the action and, and say to God, you know, whatever happens, you take care of this because ultimately I don't want to go back to the food. And it all turned out perfectly fine. Like her response was like, okay, I mean, you know, you won't get the perk, right? And I'm like, okay. And, and that was it. And it's just amazing to me when these things happen. And what's really helpful to me was it was suggested that every time these things happen, I'm so sure something's going to happen and it just goes the completely opposite way for me to write it down and remember so that the next time I'm shaking in my boots, I can go back to my own evidence of how I can look what God did. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Crystal P. And Lisa B., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Lisa. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. 
and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I'm very grateful for all the honest shares and um, everyone's willingness to do this work. It's valuable for me to hear it all. And I like the word creator that is in this paragraph, and I like to go on the Internet and read. Um, There's a place, 164 and more, of the use of different words in the big book and I love reading all of the ways creator is used in the big book and you know in this passage it's reminding me that my whole goal and my whole purpose is to get a new attitude and a new relationship with my creator that's the whole thing and the other thing that this paragraph tells me and especially from the reader that read this morning that when I am right with God all is well and even if the outcome does not go as successfully as this appears to go you know it's okay because I'm right I'm right with God and I have to just keep trusting in that and the other thing that this um paragraph says to me is it says he got up quietly and that word um jumped out for me and i love to think about that word quietly and an adjective of quiet is peace you know peace and calm and that's what was so important to me i didn't have any peace or calmness inside of me and that's why i needed to eat that's why i needed to live the way i lived and use things to to alter my internal life and you know he was able to get up quietly because he was connected to his higher power and he did the things that that first paragraph on page 80 tell me you know which is to secure consent of other people obtain permission you know and get connected with god and the other thing that um this paragraph speaks out to me about that word creator is that you know there is a power that lives inside of me there is a new experience inside of me as a result of doing this work and this work is preparing me more and more to um, live a new life and it's all through the action steps so that's really what I wanted to share and I'm grateful to be here thank you thank you Lisa B and for those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we are on page 80 in the fourth paragraph after consulting with his wife. The line's now open for sharing on what we just read, and I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. Who'd like to share? Katie G from Boston. Katie G. M. Okay, I'll tell you who I did hear out of all that. I heard Katie G and Irene M. Who else was there, please? Stephen B. Anyone else? I have Katie G, Irene M, Stephen B. Debbie K. I can take two more if you're there. Annie R. Debbie K. I heard you, Debbie. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I have, let's go with this lineup then. I have Katie G, Irene M, Stephen D, Debbie K, and Annie R. Katie G, please go ahead. Good morning, Lynn. Katie G, recovered in Boston. Hey, just a. Uh, Katie, we've lost you. Katie? 
Sorry, Lynn. I don't know what happened. I was talking away. I uh, don't know. I'm going to start again. All right. This is KDG Recovered in Boston. Um, you know, just a public safety uh, announcement. If you haven't done this step, if you're on step one, um, this gentleman went with God infused inside of him and he quietly <coughs> made his amends. This is not throwing up over people because I feel guilty and I want relief, right? And so much of what this paragraph is speaking to me about is ego reduction. <clears throat> you know, God knows everything I've ever done, and God loved me while I was doing it. But I seem to operate under delusional thinking that my husband doesn't know when I'm trying to control and manipulate the situation because I don't want to go see his family. I'm trying, I think that my mom's partner doesn't know that I've manipulated and controlled things and blamed her my whole life. <clears throat> I think that people in program don't know, don't hear when I'm very fearful and I get on the line with them and I might um, give them feedback that they don't even want because I'm afraid to listen right? This is a reality check of who I am. And I, I just want to say again, we put the outcome in God's hands. I'm so grateful that this man is an upstanding citizen of his you know, town, right? I'm so grateful that that's his outcome. But I can't tell you the number of people who've given me my reality. Katie, I see that you are an insecure wife, okay? I see that. And I see that you're not wanting to socialize right now. And, and you know, I'm seeing that you're doing that. And, and it's hard. And this is how it affects me. Katie, I see that you, you know, were an angry little girl and you blamed me for a lot. And that made me feel invisible. Katie, I see that you were an insecure and person and, and, and I threatened you. You know, like Katie, I, I, you seem to have a lot of dreams, but you stomp all over people when you try going for them. Listening to other people give me the reality of who it is that I am when I'm not connected to God has transformed me because I'm able to hear that, not as criticism, but as a reality of this is who I am. That is who I be when I'm disconnected from God. But with God, I can stand in front of people and God and say, this is what I did to you. And I was operating from a place of fear and I regret my behavior. And this is, uh, I'm here to set this right. Can you tell me what it was like to be an experience with me? And I continue to receive the blessing of what? Settling into my body, settling into my skin, and not eating because I can be alone in a perfect peace. I can look the world in the eye because I'm not an actor trying to convince you that I am who I'm not. I'm an addict, I'm insecure, and I'm God's daughter, and I'm going to do my best to honor God today. I'm going to mess up, and I'm going to do my best to get back to God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Irene M., it's your turn, followed by Stephen B. Please go ahead, Irene. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. So on page 58, it says, do you want what we have and are you willing to go to any lengths to get it? So he shifted from the previous paragraph from relying on his thinking to doing the right thing. And we do that by applying the steps to our lives. 
this shift, you know, he shifted into humility by turning towards God for guidance and not doing this on our own. We can't do this program alone. We can't live life alone. We need connections. We need God and others. And it's all about, it's my personal relationship of what actions I take. It's the serenity prayer in action. It's the courage, the courage to change the things that I can change. I need to make that decision and make a change and then do so I can do the things to to have a clean heart and letting go of what I cannot change and believing at the same time as I'm letting go, believing that I am always being taken care of. I'm always being guided, trusting and relying on God. And it's all about God. Either he is everything or nothing. He's the father. We are the children. We are here to do his will. And And this is, you know, step nine is the last action step. This is where the promises are going to happen. And... We must put all our trust in God by taking these actions. Yes, taking risks. We don't grow if we don't take risks. And um, I had to, I had to get up in front of a group and say something worthy of whom you know I gossiped about, and that took a lot of courage. You know, that took a lot of strength and humility, but. By placing the outcome in God's hand, it reflects how deeply our faith is. And I was able to do that because I was holding on to God's hand, and I trusted in you in the depths of my being that, that God is everything to me. And it's, it's that deepening of the connection with God, and it's that knowing that I'm always, always being taken care of. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. Stephen B., it's your turn, followed by Debbie K. Press star one to unmute, Stephen. This is Stephen D. in South Carolina. Thank you for your service and opportunity to share. Uh, recently, I've been uh, working the steps with uh, my sponsor, and one of the uh, amends that came up was an institutional amends from when I was a teenager. I'd stolen something from a place that I worked. I'd even lied about it. Uh, got my father involved to stick up for me. So this uh, past holiday, when I went home to spend time with my family, I worked on that amends and I was able to make an amends with my father and then the scary part for me was making an amends with the institution. I thought, well, maybe I'll just go make a donation. Maybe I'll just um, uh, do something that is uh, to make that amends, anything to make that amends. And so I went into the institution and uh, the first time I went in, I didn't make the amends and uh, I left. But the next day, I went back in again, and uh, it was just God-type timing. I was able to talk to the manager and tell them that I wanted to make amends 
for this and what I had done. And it was as for him, it was as if it was nothing. And he says, well, you, you don't need to do this, but if it helps you, then you can do this. And I said, it would help me. And so I was able to make a financial amends uh, to this institution. And boy, what an, uh, everything that I had played out in my head did not happen. But there was a great freedom and great relief for that. And I had been hanging on to this for 30 years. Stephen, there's some, sorry, Stephen, you're kind of going in and out, and there's some background noise. I just wonder if you could maybe adjust your phone. Thank yes, you. wait just a second, please. I tell you what, I'll just pass. I can't get my phone to do the uh, okay. Do what I need it to do. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much, Stephen. Debbie Kay, it's your turn, followed by Anna R. Hello, my name is Debbie Kay, and um, this is only my second time sharing uh, on this meeting. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. So my hands are shaking and I get really, really nervous. I would like to talk about um, this process of transformation that this program has had on me because this paragraph is talking about the creator. And when I was on step three, my sponsor said to me, what is your concept of God? I said, I don't know. I don't have a concept. I have an old concept that I need to throw out. That God, that old concept was that God is punishing. And I made a decision that day to throw that old concept out and to be in the mystery that I don't know what God is. And that was very uncomfortable for me. And I had to make a decision to stay in the uncomfortability until I could come to an understanding of what my creator is. And I have that today. And I love this sentence that says, I can stand before my creator and I can say, Either I'm dirty God or I'm clean. And when I feel dirty, I lose my connection to this creator who I now have a different concept of. And when I'm clean, man, does this connection open up. I love the courage of the man in this paragraph, his courage to stand up. And I also love the, re the reaction of the people in his church at that time because they, for me, represent God's reaction. God says, welcome, Debbie. You're clean. You got honest. And the lines of communication open. And with that, I'm very grateful that you let me share. And thank you very much. And thank you, Debbie Kay. 
And Anna R., I'm sorry, but we've run out of time for today's sharing. Hopefully you can share on the next hour coming up. So thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, January 6th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 13926. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.